Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 86, a mid-year restart, coming to you on Thursday, July 5th, 2018. Now, usually you get an interview on Thursdays, but this is the beginning of the second half of the year already. So if you were in my time management class, I would be telling you it's time to look at our production schedules and all of our list of goals that we started in January and to try to check in with ourselves and see where we're at, what we need to adjust, uh, where to start if we feel like we've just sort of totally gotten off track, where to restart. Um, and maybe you didn't really write anything down in January. You thought having it in your head would be enough. And now you're really um, trying to figure out, are you on track or not? So as it turns out, I did a live by video <laughs> uh, speech um, presentation for the Yosemite Romance Writers, which is an RWA chapter in Fresno, California, on May 19th of this year, 2018. So what I thought I would do is just edit that presentation slightly and give it to you in its mostly entire entirety. <laughs> just edited it out the beginning and end where we're setting up and, and shutting down the video. So. Hopefully this will be super interesting and helpful, and I strongly encourage you to ask yourself as you're listening, you know, what of this do I need to do right now? Some of it you won't need to do because you're on track with this or that. Other things you might be thinking, oh yeah, I need to just sit down and think that through for a minute and see whether or not there's anything else I need to change or add or delete or whatever as part of my production schedule or my um, general goal list for the rest of the year. You've still got an entire half a year left, as do I, which makes me happy because I feel like with all the moving, I haven't really gotten anything accomplished in the first half of the year. So for me, this is going to be a real restart. I'm going to take my own advice. I'm going to write down the things that I talk about as I gave the presentation to the Yosemite Romance Writers. And I hope that you find some really helpful stuff to make you feel like you have some control over how the year is going to end for you. So if you're listening on audio only, you should be able to follow along mostly pretty well. But if you want to watch the presentation slides as well so that you can see what exactly I'm talking about as I gave the presentation to the group, then just go over to the YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Kitty Buholtz and then search for Right Now Workshop or search for the title, which is a mid-year restart, and you'll find episode 86. That'll be the one. So good luck, and I look forward to hearing how much better your year goes. <laughs> this is Kitty, who I am going to have introduce her. Is it okay if you introduce yourself to everybody? Sure, no problem. Yes. Um, we are here in a, just to give you some things, we're here in a restaurant. We have our own room. This is Fresno, California, and um, we're not that far from Yosemite. And Kitty is coming to us from Sweden, you guys. Sweden. <laughs> what time is it there? It is almost 8 p.m. Can you believe this? So anyways, um, and Kitty is here to talk with us about goal setting and productivity, which we could all use always. And so anyways, we really appreciate you talking to us. And go ahead, Kara. Go ahead, Kitty. <laughs> Excellent. 
Great. Well, I have to say, this is the most fun thing. I love speaking in front of people. Um, and I've decided to probably stop doing um, much, maybe, maybe totally stop doing it at all when it's um, online by myself where I talk to a camera and then, you know, later people watch videos and stuff like that. It's just not fun. But uh, this is the first time that I've done it uh, live to someplace else via Zoom. And I'm like, it's almost as fun as being there. <laughs> so give me just a <laughs> idea. Uh, how many people are there just so I have an idea who I'm speaking to? We've got 15 people. Excellent. Okay. All right. That gives me an idea like compared so to... Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Well, listen, um, I have been uh, like the, the quick version of me is I've been writing and publishing since the late 90s. I started actually teaching um, different writing things um, not long after I started publishing only because I was a little bit further ahead than other people. And that's, you know, you, you're always looking for a way that you can give back, help the people who are coming up behind you. And I just really love to teach. And, um, and I can't help it. I just have to give my opinion about everything. So um, I, I really do like to, to speak to groups or individuals or whatever. I'm all the time talking about writing. And in December, I started my podcast, um, first podcast, and I've been wanting to do it for a couple of years. And it was just like this great outlet to, on the one hand, be able to um, teach as much as I wanted to, encourage people. You know, we writers really need a lot of encouragement. We spend so much time alone. Um, talking to imaginary people <laughs> that sometimes it's hard to remember that some of the thoughts in our heads might not be um, completely real. <laughs> now, that's kind of just a normal human trait too, but um, I'm going to get into a little bit of this uh, later because I think attitude is a really big part of, um, of our time management. So um, I started a podcast in December called Right Now Workshop Podcast, and um, I have um, myself teaching one day. I have an Encouraging Words episode on Sundays, and on another day, um, I'm just interviewing all different kinds of um, writers and um, editors and people in the publishing industry or people who can help us. Like um, I interviewed an occupational therapist about stretches and exercises and stuff that writers can do. So this is just kind of my, um, my passionate thing, sharing information, helping other people. I have, um, I started out with an agent doing the traditional route. I had an agent for four and a half years. Um, we sent out my Chiclet books right about the time that Chiclet died a fiery death. And so after four and a half years, uh, I said, listen, you know, you and I really like each other, but we're not really getting anything accomplished, are we? And so um, I went to New York one more time uh, with the RWA conference that I think was in 2011. Yep. Uh, when it was in New York. And, um, you know, I pitched my superhero urban fantasy slash romantic comedy books to some editors who said, that sounds really fun, but I just wouldn't have any idea how to, how to sell it. And um, KDP, Kindle Direct Publishing, had just started. And so I was like, you know what? I can figure this out. I went to business school. I always wanted to own my own business. So there we go. I've just now created my own business, becoming an independent publisher. And so I have uh, eight titles out, which when I say it to me, and I know that you guys understand what I'm saying, inside my own head, I'm thinking, lame. There are people who put out eight titles in a year, and I've put out eight titles since 2011. So like a title a year. Um, but 
uh, I also have spent an awful lot of time following my husband around the globe, which I can't say has been really horrible. The moving part, the moving all the time is not so great. But um, we have moved to Australia twice, New Zealand. Um, my last book was published the day that I moved out of our house in New Zealand. So that was a tricky launch. <laughs> and, um, and now, like uh, Michelle said, I'm in Malmo, Sweden, which um, hopefully this, uh, it, they say this job's going to last for a while. So you may finally be able to settle down and take a breath and get back to writing. So what have I been thinking about? Actually, the topic of this talk is exactly what I've been thinking about. So I've been in news, uh, sorry, I've already forgotten where I live. Um, this is not unusual. Uh, I have been in Sweden for five weeks today, actually, like five weeks and two hours or something like that. And the big thing that I've been thinking about now that all the paperwork is done is what, what in the heck am I doing? Who am I? Where, where am I in my writing life? Okay, can you guys see my presentation? Yes, yes, perfect. Excellent, very good. All right, I'm going to um, leave it this way with the, um, with the cue cards along the side only because um, it seems to not stutter and stuff <laughs> as much. Okay, so today we're going to talk about restart. Restart is the thing that I've been kind of, um, I feel like I've been sort of preaching it for a year or two because I just know so many writers who something happens and then we're like, but I made all these plans in January and I mapped out my entire calendar or at least I wrote down what I said I was going to do. And then somehow, um, shockingly, life gets in the way and you feel lost and you don't know how to start up again. And so um, what I'm hoping is that you guys can use these tips um, to any time restart your calendar. And this is exactly what I'm going to be doing over the next um, probably two or three weeks. I imagine it'll take me some time to figure out in my own head where am I at. Okay, so Basically, I'm going to go through these first slides kind of quickly because they're rhetorical questions. When was the last time you felt you felt like you were just behind in something, everything, writing your whole life? Um, it doesn't matter what time of the year it is because it was probably pretty recently that you were thinking, ah, okay, I'm much more behind than I thought I was in this or this. I have no idea if you guys um, want to try to respond, feel free at any point. If I hear Michelle talking, I'll know that she's, you know, telling me that, that somebody said something. So anytime you feel like it, feel free to, to um, make it interactive. <laughs> um, and a lot of times this, this guy is kind of how I feel. Like, oh my gosh, I have to go faster. I have to, I have to do this. I have to... Um, Today, exactly. Today was another example. Um, I thought my husband was going to be busy working for the first half of the day, and so I was thinking, okay, I'll work for the first half of the day. It's a Saturday, and then we'll go to this big carnival. It only happens once every four years, and we just really should go see it. Um, but then, turns out he finishes work early, and what was I thinking? Oh my gosh, he's waiting for me. What What am I doing? I, I shouldn't be working. I I should be. I should be doing stuff with him. But if I'm doing stuff with him, what am I thinking? I should be working right now. Um, Michelle, anybody there look like they're nodding their head that they understand that's how they feel sometimes? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's like, that's like our days all the time. <laughs> exactly. But what I'm hoping is that you can soon feel like this. And I really am not exaggerating practically on demand because 
everything that we feel, I think that so long as we recognize that feelings are real, I mean, the feeling, it's not that you don't have these feelings of I should be in two places at once, or I should be feeling this way or doing that thing. Um, the fact is, though, is that we can control how we feel, and we can um, start using some methods to adjust how we see what is happening in our lives so that we can um, be more forward thinking, but also staying in the present. I'm trying to figure out how to word that better. Um, let me just give you kind of an example. This is the beginning of the handout that I gave you guys. So the very first time that I gave this presentation, um, my RWA chapter was doing like a, a five minute speeches kind of thing. We had like 10 people or something doing five minute speeches. And so I developed one on restart and I wanted to make it something that people could remember because it, there were five minute speeches, there was no handout or anything. And so I found a way to um, link it to something that we all probably remember learning as kids. If there's a fire, stop, drop and roll. And sometimes you just feel like your life is on fire, everything's an emergency and you're trying to figure out how you can make the, make the fire stop burning so, so strongly around you. Okay. so. The first thing that I have found that works is just to stop whatever I'm doing if I can. It depends on whether or not you're in a situation um, that you can literally walk away from. Like if you're sitting by yourself in your own office, you can literally stop, close your eyes, take some deep breaths, you know, move to a different area of your house or your office, um, go for a walk. Um, but I have found that even in situations at like a corporate environment, um, I'm just doing a lot more of it on the inside. I'm still taking actual deep breaths. Uh, I probably am not closing my eyes, <laughs> um, but I'm trying to stop the crazy flow of crazy emotions that I'm feeling right this minute. And then I'm trying to um, drop the negative emotions and stuff that are coming with it because so much of um, refocusing our attention has to do with um, refocusing our mind, refocusing our emotions, trying to find a way to get away from that negative hamster wheel of spinning thoughts and find um, a positive, more calm place. So not to be like too up in the sky, but <laughs> we all know that when we can stop, take deep breaths, and then try to stop thinking about what we're thinking about for just a minute, stop doing what we're doing for just a minute and kind of pull back and give ourselves the 30,000 foot view. Okay. What's, what's really going on here? What's the big picture? Um, I'm freaking out because, you know, I'm so far behind in this book. Okay. Well, hold on one second. Is this book under contract? Is somebody going to like ask for money back <laughs> if you don't make this deadline? Because that requires one kind of response. If the deadline is one that we have put together um, because we're self-publishing, that requires a different kind of response. Yes, you probably have things that are set in place to meet a deadline, but you're in a better position to be able to move that deadline. Also, um, other areas of the big picture, um, what can be changed? Maybe you are... Um, 
really, you know, doing great at spending time with your family and friends, but maybe you need to take a couple of weekends to postpone some plans and um, do the writing. On the other hand, you know, big picture, maybe part of what's stressing you out is that other people are saying that you're not really there when you're there. And so that even when you're working, you feel like people are, you know, still sort of, intruding not in a bad way into into your work by the fact that you feel guilty that you're not with them so looking at the big picture again and just asking yourself what could I change you know whether it's for an hour or this weekend or changing a deadline there are different things and that's that's why it makes it a little bit hard to describe to you because each one of you right this second are thinking of something totally different from the person next to you. And you're already thinking of a different way that you could respond to whatever's on your mind. So I can't give you um, like really great uh, examples because I want it to be something that you're thinking about. What can you do with a situation that you actually have on your mind right now? Now, once you have um, calmed your body, which is the deep breathing and the, um, and the trying to be still and that sort of thing, and then calms your mind by trying not to do whatever it is that you've been doing just for a minute or five minutes or 30 minutes and trying not to think about what you've been thinking about. So now you're still in your body, still in your mind. Then when you decide what you're going to do, you know, the, the last part of number, number two drop, consider making a change. When you make the decision, then you need to just really – intentionally choose that you're going to just roll with the punches, go with the flow, whatever <laughs> kind of cliched way that we say that, and that you have made a decision and you're going to be choosing to be okay with that decision. So much of restarting our time management is just a matter of, do I need to make a change? Yes or no. Okay. Now I have made a decision about whether or not I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing or do something differently. And I'm going to be okay with this decision, you know, at least until an hour from now or tomorrow morning, or you'll have to choose in your own mind, you know, how long are you going to follow through on a, a new decision or a continued decision before you decide that you're going to, um, have to have to come up with another way to do it. And then just repeat as necessary. This sort of thing is going to help each of you to develop your own time management on sort of a individual, day-by-day, day, really any time that you need to, um, all year round. So right now I'm talking to you about restarting your time management because we're four and a half months into the year. It isn't January anymore. Um, Michelle, tell me if there's like heads nodding or hands raised, who was putting together some sort of a, a plan in January about what you expected or wanted to try to do for the rest of the year? I was. I was. I was. <laughs> I have like a two-page uh, list of things that I said I was going to, to do this year, knowing that I would probably move somewhere uh, just because of the nature of my husband's work. He's a computer animator and works in movies and video games. Um, so if 
by the nature of his work, I'm sh- I was sure I would move at least one time this year. And as it turns out, um, we'll probably move twice because we're in company apartment now. And so we have to find our own apartment and then move again. But at least then maybe hopefully, hopefully we'll be done. Um, so I have like this two page list of all the things that I was sure I could do, even despite all of the moving. And my accountability partners were like, yeah, good luck with that, Kitty. Let us know when you change it to something more reasonable. <laughs> so, yeah, my my more reasonable change is going to be coming up uh, pretty much in the next couple of weeks as I run through kind of this whole restart process again. So, um, in general, and I'm just going to tell you some things that you may already know, neuroscience is just going crazy teaching us things that some of us suspected um, some of us were like, I knew it, and other things that you're like, holy cow, that is amazing. I had no idea. Um, we are beginning to learn about what flow really means. It has to do with um, the left side of our brain and the right side of our brain, which are se- um, separated by a very thin membrane here. When the, when, for lack of a better way to say it, when the sides are spinning at the same time, at the same speed that is, um, then the energy and stuff is crossing over this very thin membrane in a more um, even way, like it's not in, in, in fits and starts. And so that gives us this sense of flow where like everything seems to be coming together. We're totally into the story that we're writing or we're absolutely totally engaged in whatever, you know, family or fun or sport or work or whatever event that, that we're working on. Um, decision fatigue is a real issue. And I think that it's good that we're learning that it's a real thing because one of the things that you need to be aware of is that the more that you can create structure in, and I'm pretty much talking about your writing life, but know that this goes across to any area of your life. The more structure that you can create, the fewer decisions that you'll have to constantly be remaking. I think, um, I think the number that I read is something like 35 decisions a day. That's sorry, 35,000 decisions a day. That's how many times our brain is saying this or that, yes or no, um, milk or orange juice, chocolate or vanilla. Um, should I stay or should I go? What we need to do is try not to push our brains beyond the point where they are um, able to make these decisions fairly quickly. Notice that near the end of the day, you, you're like, I just don't care. Just somebody make a decision about what we're having to dinner for dinner. I just don't care anymore. Um, and that is the point of decision fatigue. We want to make sure that as much as we can, we're structuring things so that we don't make decisions that we didn't have to. And what I mean is, so for instance, um, I start my day, I was trying to figure out how to start my day in a way where, um, where it always starts pretty much immediately and that there's a certain amount of um, structure to it so that a certain number of things, not number of things, so that certain things get done that make me feel good and make me feel happy and make me kind of um, slide right into work without any... Um, major effort on my on my part. So for instance, for me, if I don't just decide the night before that tomorrow morning I'm going to get up and exercise the first thing after I wake up, if I don't decide that, I don't know when or if I'll actually be exercising. And if I say, let me just do this thing, you know, I'll answer emails and then I'll exercise. It may be two o'clock in the afternoon and I still haven't taken a shower and I still haven't exercised. And I'm like, 
Yeah. Okay. So 14 times in the last six hours, I said, am I going to exercise now? And then I said, no, let me just do this other thing. So there was 14 times that I was wasting a decision <laughs> that, um, that I now am going to be, you know, more tired, closer to decision fatigue at the end of the day. And also, um, just not, giving my brain a structure that it can just immediately get into things easier. And you can do that. A lot of people and maybe a lot of you probably have some sort of um, structured way that you get into your writing. Some people will make a couple of tea, um, take everything off their desk except for their laptop or whatever, or they'll take their laptop to their favorite chair and they've got their tea, they've got their laptop, um, Maybe they turn on this certain song or there's certain um, music playlist and all those things signal to their brain, okay, now I'm going to write. So this is why that sort of thing helps us to get um, into that flow state more quickly. And again, these sorts of things, um, they help us with time management because what's happening is we're wasting less time. And then again, focus, you, we all know this. We all know that wherever our thoughts are, that's where our focus is. But if we can consciously, consciously choose to focus on the things that we want, like I'm going to stop thinking about email, I'm going to stop thinking about Facebook and marketing because what I really want is to be totally in the state for writing for my two-hour writing block. Like, this is not my two-hour marketing block. This is not my two-hour social media block. There's nothing wrong with those things, but we need to focus on the thing that we most are trying to get done. And it has to be conscious, which is why I have to write it down for myself, and it's why I write it down in a presentation. It's not that you don't know this, but we just have to be reminded. And then also, whether or not we're thinking about things positively or negatively. So an awful lot more than I would like over the last seven years of a whole bunch of moving, my mom dying, my uncle dying, my husband got in a motorcycle accident. Um, there has been more times than I would like to admit that my mind was trying to get through life, but with this negative spin, I've got to get through this. Um, I just have to make it through the day. And, and the difference between a thought like that and now those are big situations, but let's just think about writing. I've just got to get through this two-hour writing block, even though I'm tired, is not going to give us the same kind of mental attitude, even if we're tired, than if we think to ourselves, and this is what I've done at least, and you'll, you'll have to think, well, like, what can I, what's the thought that I can have in my head? So for instance, maybe I'm tired, maybe I'm just feeling down on myself, like I suck as a writer, right? <laughs> um, and, and so I just have to stop. And I, I have a tendency to think about my friend, Rachel. She's got um, a very bubbly, vivacious personality. She's kind and generous and sweet and funny. And she really loves my book. She thinks I am so funny. And she thinks that my books are so romantic and so this and so that. And she just loves to tell me like how much she loves my books. So I have to think about what can I write for Rachel right now? Because then I'm thinking, Rachel loves my books. Like, how can I make her laugh? She thinks my books are funny. Oh, how can I make her cry? Because she loves this romantic interaction where she's like, and then it just made me cry. So when we start um, changing the way that we're thinking from, 
I just got to get through this to how can I serve someone else or what can I learn from this or how can I help someone else? That also just adds energy rather than taking away energy. Um, and, and this is just part of the, the attitude um, information that I, I probably have included this in every class that I've taught, regardless of the subject matter, you know, self-publishing class, time management class, marketing class. There's probably every point where I have found a way to um, remind people that your attitude is such a big deal. Um, for instance, if we, I don't know if people really say that say this that much anymore. But um, remember when, when people would talk about, um, you know, the Sunday night blues, like people are always so depressed on Sunday night. Why? Because I have to go to work tomorrow. The weekend's over, <laughs> you know? And so um, when, whatever we're expecting something to be like, whatever we believe something is, has a tendency to be true inside of our own heads, regardless of, it, what, regardless of whether it's really true. Um, so if we can change our attitude and in the, um, handout, um, uh, tip number three at the very bottom says attitude is everything and gratitude is the best attitude. So if you could come up with one to three phrases or verses or quotes or something that, um, you could just always be saying, oh, wait, and then say this quote. So, so for instance, just, and you have to choose the ones that really work for you. Okay. So for me, the ones that are really working for me is um, God's grace is sufficient for all of my needs because I'm like, okay, I am trying to do everything. And then I'm like, okay, I can't do everything. And now I'm just like freaking out and overwhelmed. And I'm like, okay, all right. You know what? I, in the end, I'm going to have everything that I need. Other things apparently don't matter as much as maybe I thought they did or whatever, you know, however it is that I need to be thinking through that at that moment. Um, something that I've been talking about even more and just did an episode on the podcast. Actually, is it tomorrow's episode? Anyway, I recently did one of the Encouraging Words episodes talking about really looking at our thoughts and asking ourselves, no, wait a minute, is that actually true? Like that thought that just went through my head? Wait, that's not true. It feels true, but it's not true. We need to be careful that we are actively saying, wait, that's not true. It's not that I'm a bad writer. I just haven't been able to get an agent yet. Um, it's not that... Um, I'm not a good writer or I'm not a great writer. It's just that um, maybe I haven't been doing it long enough or working hard enough. I, I don't know. That's probably not a great example because that went from one negative to another thing that could feel negative. But, um, but asking yourself, are the things that you're thinking and feeling the truth? Like I was constantly telling people how overwhelmed I was and oh my gosh there's just so much paperwork and I move all the time and then it's another country's new amount of paperwork and it's just so overwhelming and the more that I would tell people how overwhelmed I felt the worse I felt and it took me like months before I was like I need to find some way to stop saying that phrase I just need to take that thought and and say stop stop coming into my head try to replace it with something else, try to realize that it's not necessarily um, as true as it feels. Uh, and a couple others, and uh, tell me who, who knows this one. Um, I say this all the time, all the time. Never give up, never surrender. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. 
Hey, can I can I tell you one that I, I I'm kind of weird lately. I put um, sayings on mugs. Oh, I, I love I, it. I literally put things on mugs and purchase them off of Etsy because I'm just weird that way. Like for <laughs> instance, I um, when I first started getting um, some negative reviews, you know, which were yeah. shocking to me that people would spend their time in life to write this stuff. And um, anyways, it hurt me a lot right at first, you know, but no, they still hurt me, you know. Anyways, so what I do now is when I get some review where I'm like, are you kidding me? I have it on a mug. It says, a lion does not concern itself with the opinions of sheep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I put coffee in it. I drink out of it with a smirk on my face and I just feel so much better and I can just let it all go and keep going, you know? Nice. Anyways, yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. Oh, like I had another, uh, I had one review that said that they, it couldn't, they couldn't handle my feminist agenda. <laughs> I was like, what feminist agenda? But anyways, I was actually really proud of that. I put that on a mug too. So I have a mug yeah. that says, you know, the feminist agenda proved too much, which I buffed <laughs> up over. And then, and then I even put that on Twitter saying, thank you. Thank you. You know, like, um, <laughs> anyway, so I drink that out of a mug too. Anyway, yeah, so I'm just going to keep doing that stuff. Every time something happens in order to move past it, I'll have some kind of saying I'm going to put on a mug. <laughs> then I'll have my little mugs all collected there. You know what I'm saying? That's right. That's right. Well, <laughs> I think I should get a mug that, that has, um, has my favorite. Um, I tend to just keep it inside my head because as much as I want to be rude, I don't want to actually be rude to someone's face. But I want to say, you know, to, to uh, people who say things like that, uh, well, you know what? I don't like dealing with people who don't live in the 21st century, so... I got you, babe. Yeah, so see, you can put that on a mug. No one's that's right. Just you. That's what makes these so great. And then I just sip out of them, you know, at home in private. It's wonderful. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, so um, I'm going to go through this part really quickly because I want you to um, understand that this is a any time of the day any time of the year kind of um, plan. And then I want to tell you about some of the things that I help people with in my um, annual time management class that I usually teach in January or February of each year. I've taught it for 10 or 12 years now. And, um, and I just love it because always, you know, when you're helping somebody with something, then it, it just reminds you of the things that you're talking about. Um, so we'll get to that in a second. We'll just go through this really quickly. When should you hit the restart button? Any time you need to. So if you're stressed about writing, you should just stop for a second and just say, okay, I don't want to be stressed about writing because I'm a writer. I love to write. This is what I do. It's part of who I am. Remember, it's not who you are. It's part of who you are. You've got, we have to remember to, um, to take some of these thoughts and examine the exact words that we're using so that we don't get caught up in something that it's not really true. I mean, you have friends, you have family, you have other areas of your life. So we have to remember that writing is not who we are. It's a part of who we are. But anything that stresses us out, anytime that we're overwhelmed with the to-do to list, other people's expectations of us, whether or not it's family or uh, people that we work with uh, in writing or in some other way. Uh, reader reviews, obviously, others' expectations of us are not always what we um, 
what we agree with or think they should be. Um, depending on what kind of um, normal day that you have, when I was working in the corporate world, there were so many times, or at least it felt to me so many times, when somebody is pressuring me to make a decision now, right now, at this meeting, we need to decide, Kitty, what's your you know, vote or whatever, what's your decision? And I, I got to the point, I am not good at that. I am good at thinking things through, not like quick decisions on my feet sort of thing. Um, everybody has their own way. So in that situation, when somebody's pressuring me to make a decision now, um, when somebody's pressuring me to buy something now, do something now, you know, you're at the mall and somebody wants you to buy this perfume now or whatever, um, I pretty much always just have to go to the bathroom <laughs> or something because I have found at least in the corporate world that you pretty much just can't tell someone that they can't go to the bathroom so I'll be like I have to go to the bathroom and then it'll be like the three minutes that I need I may not actually use the facilities um, but it gives me time to just like walk away from all the people staring and like pressuring and think through what is really the right thing uh, you know in the situation uh, how do I really feel about it outside of the pressure, that sort of thing. So I just bring that up because I know some people, you know, may still be in a corporate situation and you hate that pressure to make a decision now, or depending on, you know, who your agent or editor is, it may be that sometimes you feel like somebody wants you to make a decision right the second and you're like, I just need to stop, take a deep breath, think things through, like walk away from it for a minute. And, you know, again, anytime that you find that the thoughts in your head are not completely true, that's an excellent time to also hit the restart button to kind of rethink it. Um, and it works great in personal situations. I have to remember that I need to stop talking if I want to hit the restart button in a relationship issue that I'm having, i.e. an argument. <laughs> And then I need to decide whether or not what I'm irritated about is worth as much as having an argument. Is it, is it really that important or is the relationship more important? Um, and, you know, that's total individual. It's individual by who you're talking with and what you're talking about. But um, I have found that this is a great time to just be mentally thinking, okay, you know what, I'm going to hit the restart button here. I'm going to choose not to be mad about what we're talking about or whatever. I'm going to drop it. It doesn't matter enough. This is not worth a fight or this is a big deal and I need to find a way to continue with this conversation, but also remember that I want to pre preserve the relationship. So it kind of works all the time. All right. Great. Great. So now I have these, these ideas on what I can do, you know, now that it's almost the end of May. See, in my mind, having just gone through this, this period of moving and everything, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, it's, it's almost the middle of the year. The year's halfway done. The year is not halfway done. We're four and a half months in, and a year is just a matter of like how many times, you know, the sun is coming up and down and us rotating around the sun. And it, it's just an abstract concept. So what do we, what, what do each of us individually feel is really the important thing? 
I think that a lot of times the more that we can stay in the now, like think about, I would like to get this done by the end of this year. I'd like to get this done before the RWA conference. Um, I would like to have this accomplished in, in my one year, five year, 10 year pictures. But the fact is, is that all of us live in the now and the now is really all that we can um, make an actual change in. My husband came up with this concept of living in today's box when we were just so stressed out about everything. You know, we're still trying to recover from the um, health and financial issues from the motorcycle accident. And then there was the um, job situation. And oh my gosh, we were just losing our minds. And one day he was like, you know what? We need to just think about today's box. What can we do in today's box? And then we would be like, well, we really need to, you know, call the attorney about the thing, but it's Saturday. We can't call him till Monday. So that's not part of today's box. So we can't worry about that right now. We'll put it on the list of things to do on Monday. So the more that we can try to like stay in our now, but looking at the big picture and also remembering that all the things that we put on the list, depending on you guys, I have like 200 hours worth of stuff on my weekly to-do list. Has anybody ever tried to count this out before to figure out um, if you can actually do all the things that are on your list? That was scary. <laughs> I, I did a talk at um, the uh, Southern California um, regional RWA conference a couple of years ago. And um, ironically, and yet I thought it was so funny, like it was such a funny uh, subconscious error that I left it as part of the pre presentation, you know, going forward. Um, I had given them an, an example of, you know, if you sleep eight hours a night, haha, if you did though, if you slept, if you tried to at least be in bed eight hours a night, and if it took you, you know, this long to shower and get ready for work every day, and it took you this long to do this food, and this long to drive to work, and this long to whatever, and then this number of hours of writing, and this number of um, exercising, and this, you know, and literally breaking down everything so you could see. And even on my slide that was supposed to equal 168 hours, it equaled 172. Yeah. And, and the laughter I hear, I'm pretty sure is the, oh yeah, that's a totally normal sort of math that I would do. <laughs> Okay, now this is a little bit more interactive. I know that we only have um, half an hour, but we should be able to um, at least give you some ideas. Does everybody have something to write on? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this is the really short condensed version of my four week long uh, time management course that's plotting out your entire calendar for the whole year. Um, and I want you to think about it as uh, what do I need, you know, each of you thinking, what do I need to do or what, do, what would I really like to do to um, either plan out, replan, rethink my plans to make sure that, like, I think this is really going to work, that sort of thing. So, so this is what I normally tell people. Write down all of the major writing uh, items you have scheduled or planned for the rest of the year. So that may include your monthly meetings. Like um, somebody once said to me, well, you know, I've, I've, I want to go to the meetings. I like them. They're only two hours long. Um, but I just feel like it takes up all of my day and I go home and I'm exhausted and, and I don't write. And so basically 
one Saturday a month, I'm not really getting any writing done and I'm not sure that it's worth it. And I'm like, well, the meeting may only be two hours long, but you know, this was Southern California. How long does it take you to get to the meeting? Well, it takes an hour and 15 minutes to get to the meeting. How long does it take to get home? Well, depending on traffic between two and two hours, two hours and two hours and 45 minutes, because the traffic is so much worse in the afternoon rather than at, you know, seven o'clock in the morning or something. So something that seems like it's only two hours is actually like a six hour thing. It really is practically an all day event. So um, these are some of the things where it's just when it's written down on paper, it's easier for us to see. Uh, for instance, the RWA conference, who's going in Denver? Yay. Okay. One person going, but she is a Golden Heart finalist. Yay. Yay. Congratulations. Well, I'm super excited because I get to speak. So I'm actually flying from Malmo, Sweden to Denver. Crazy. <laughs> um, so, um, and you can be thinking about this in terms of any of the other things, but the conference is not really uh, Wednesday through Saturday um, for everybody there is in California. So it also includes flying time, which means that there's almost no way that you're not staying overnight Saturday night. And again, this, I'm just giving you an example, even though only one person is going. So, um, so even if you include extra time for um, flying in early enough to get there before it starts and flying out after everything ends and knowing that you've added in, say that's two days, um, but it's not just that then it's the packing beforehand and it's the unpacking and extra laundry and getting back into your life on the other end. So now let's call it a week. Oh, wait, but it's not just a week because since you're going to the expense and time of going to the conference, you're also asking yourself, do I need some swag? Do I need to order some bookmarks? Do I have enough business cards? And you're not just asking yourself those questions, but you're actually, you know, going through, I literally counted how many business cards I had left so I could decide whether or not I needed to order some before I left the United States. You know, so that took 10 minutes, but it's 10 minutes of that and 10 minutes of um, asking myself whether or not I need bookmarks and deciding that it would be great if I could just print some more bookmarks. And then it was an hour of trying to find the file because my husband and I had both bought new computers since he last did my bookmarks for me. You know, so these are all the things that kind of need to get added in because we forget that they're there. Um, so anything that has to do with a deadline, like ask yourself, of all the times that when I'm in the last couple of weeks of a book, what's the usual things that happen? For me, um, things actually, the beginning of a book is what kills me when it comes to, to writing. The end, I'm usually writing, you know, five to 8,000 words a day and just flying through it. And um, I, I kind of wish I, I had this kind of writing all the time because I like don't even snack. I barely eat. <laughs> Imagine how good I would look if I just had that kind of a deadline all the time, but on that high, not the stressed out part. <laughs> so um, contests, uh, anything that's going on in your writing life, anything that you're going to be, um, I, I, hopefully you guys are writing while I'm talking. That's part of the reason why I'm just like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> okay. So people have some stuff written down? Yes. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Now also write down all the things that are family and work related. Um, commitments are things that you think are probably going to happen. Um, these are the obvious ones, vacations, family reunions, school trips, or other things for um, the kids that have, um, you know, sporting things during the summer or summer camp things where you have to 
I don't know, take, I don't have kids. So some of this stuff I'm just sort of making up <laughs> based on things I hear other people saying. Um, different holidays. Um, let's see, 4th of July there. Isn't it on a Wednesday this year? Yeah. I mean, 4th of July is on the same day all, all over the world, but I meant because it's a holiday there. <laughs> yeah. So depending on um, your schedule and the rest of your family's schedule, you know, maybe you're taking off Wednesday through Sunday, woohoo, or maybe not. Maybe you have one day off, or maybe, you know, somebody's going to be on a work trip and one of the kids is going to be out on a thing. I, I'm, again, making up all the family stuff. Um, and maybe you're thinking, well, that's going to be an extra writing day for me then. Um, but anything also that is so ordinary to you that you just sort of forget. So for instance, my husband and I, um, both of our birthdays and our anniversary are, are big deals. They're probably at, at least a, as big a deal as, you know, like Christmas or something like that. Um, so we have a tendency to be like total, a week full on, like doing things and, and, and just playing. We're just playing, you know, whether it's going to the movies or going to get gelato or um, just hanging out and doing a Netflix binge or, you know, whatever it is. So um, I actually have to remember now to write those days on the calendar. Not that I can't remember my own birthday, but I have to kind of like put a, a line through in pencil. I usually do it in pencil of the week of my birthday to just remind myself that you don't really have, you know, seven 24 hour days here because you're going to spend a lot of it just hanging out and playing <laughs> with John. So anything, anything that you have in your life, that's like that. Does anybody still have um, kids at home that they're like doing, I don't know, kids stuff and birthday parties and stuff? Yes, I do. Okay. So um, when I talked to my friend in, in Sydney about uh, birthday parties for her kids, um, she doesn't do them every year. She does them on years that have some significance. I don't know when the one-year-old birthday, the five-year-old birthday. I don't know what the other ones are that she does. But when she does the birthday that year, it is this massive event and there's baking and there's... Um, um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what you would call it. Like she buys all these things that go in like goodie bags and then she puts all the piles out and then she has these goodie bags and she goes around and, you know, creates goodie bags for all the kids. It's, it's shocking to me how big of an event that is. But, um, you know, if there's anything like that, that you have, if somebody's getting married and you're a part of the wedding, if you're part of the planning committee of the wedding, if you're a close enough friend or family member that you're probably going to be asked to do more than, what you were officially thinking you were going to be asked to do. These are things to just keep in mind um, because what happens is, is that we, um, we run out of time partially because we forgot about all the other things that we had planned. Now uh, everybody can see this slide. So um, there are at least three different ways that I've done calendars before. Um, the big tall one on the left is a paper blotter size calendar. I actually measured cause I'm, I'm the weird, um, you know, geeky, I don't know what to call myself. Um, I, I love numbers and measuring things and whatever. So I took those um, flag, post-it note flags uh, size. What am I trying to call? They're called something like post-it markers or flag markers or anyway, 
I usually just look at them and grab them off the shelf and I forget to always look at the name so I can tell you. But anyway, these, these little half size rectangular ones, I measured them and I realized that they were the right size for a uh, 11 by 17 calendar rather than the ginormous calendar. And um, oddly, the smaller calendar costs more at Staples than the big one. But, um, and, but I bought this calendar that was the perfect size for the sticky notes. And then I bought the, the 10 color pack of sticky notes. And I tried to figure out, all right, what are, if I were to categorize all the things about my writing life into 10 categories, then, um, you know, what would they be? And I wrote down everything I could think of that I do in my writing life, and then I condensed it down to 10. So um, there was communication. That's any blog post they have to write, any article, uh, anything, a newsletter that has to go out, that sort of thing. Um, the green ones was to keep track of anything that I um, spend money on or to keep track of the amount of money that's coming in. Um, the orange, I think, had to do with teaching, anything that's an online class. Um, and then I think it was a different color. It was like pink or something. It was when I was going to teach in person away someplace. Like right now, I'm, I'm teaching. I'm kind of in person, but I haven't had to go away. I haven't had to get in the car and drive somewhere. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, I just organized out my life in this color coding so that I could see at a glance um, and just visually recognize, oh my gosh, I have a lot of communication type stuff that I'm promised for the first part of the year. So then I, then I can look at the individual sticky notes and go, oh yeah, that's right. Cause I was going to do sort of like a blog tour thing or whatever. And so all these sticky notes have to do with different blogs. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me just take a glass of water real quick and Okay. Um, the uh, top right one is my electronic calendar on my computer. So if you're an electronic calendar kind of person, um, whichever one you like would be great. You can color code um, a lot of the different events and that sort of thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. The um, problem for me with this is that I can put five or six things on a day, but I can still only see three of them in the calendar. And then I have to keep changing the view from monthly to weekly or daily or whatever. Um, and also whenever the, the computer calendar is not in front of me, I just sort of forget what's on it. Um, so that one works for things some sorts of things. I'm not, not going to go through this in great detail with you right now because you already know what, if you're a tactile kind of person or if you're a totally electronic kind of person um, and what thing is going to work better for you. I will say that I love the electronic calcula uh, calculator uh, calendar for anything that I want to um, set a reminder for myself. So, um, for instance, I'm going to be uh, interviewing some authors um, for my podcast, and I already have the dates set up. And so I have reminders on there to remember uh, seven days in advance, two days in advance, one day in advance, and 30 minutes in advance. And I ha had reminders set for this meeting similarly, um, because then I can you know, be asking myself a week out, have you read the book of the person that you're going to interview, you know, or did I do the presentation, you know, have I, have I put together the PDF presentation for this meeting that I'm going to be speaking at, that sort of thing. And then by the time I get to, you know, like two hours before and 30 minutes before, it's just a matter of, have you done your hair, you know, that sort of thing. So those uh, electronic uh, reminders are freaking awesome. Does anybody else use those? I don't. Yeah. You do? Oh. 
Yeah, look into it. Um, I don't know. So I have a Mac, so I use just the iCal. Um, I know a lot of people use Google calendars, and I have no idea whether or not they have pop-up reminders. But it's literally like a little message pops up on your screen with whatever you typed as being the reminder. Wait, so, can you so, say that again? So it's on, on Mac, because I have a MacBook. It's oh, okay. Yeah, can you, I don't know if you can um, look around on yours right now, but the iCal or the calendar, it used to be called iCal and now it's just called calendar again uh, on the Mac. Yeah. Yep. So all you have to do when you double click to create a new, you know, event or whatever. Uh, so for instance, like for this one, so I double click, um, I type in um, speak to Yosemite RWA uh, in the kind of subject line. And then there's the date area and um, uh, the date and time. And so uh, when you click in that date and time area as if you were going to change it, um, then you'll get sort of like a drop-down menu, like more items pop up, and one of them is alert. Oh, okay. And if you have an iPhone, it works the exact same way. And um, if you put it in your iPhone, it'll show up on your Mac calendar. If you put it in your Mac calendar, it'll show up on your iPhone. Okay, yeah, because I have a MacBook and an iPhone. I'm yeah, see new things that this thing does. Right? It's like magic. It is so amazing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I have to say, I mean, particularly for anything that you're like, I really, really, really can't, you know, forget to do something. Uh, anything that you can use as a reminder on your phone or your, you know, computer is huge. And then that last calendar there is um, one of those uh, laminated wipe on, wipe off like white, like, um, what am I trying to say? Like dry erase, but it's not the dry one. It's the one that you have a wet cloth to wipe it off. So like you can start January, February, March, April, and then when January is done, then you put May up there. It gets a little twisted and weird, but um, at least you can keep on seeing, um, you know, a, a constant reflection of basically the next four months. And depending on what you're doing and your personality, you know, that could be the best one for you. In any case, Part of the point in showing you this is so that you can be asking yourself, does the color thing appeal to me? Does having it all on my computer appeal to me? Does having it up on the wall in one big square where it just shows me the next four months, but I can look at it and see everything that's happening in my life over the next four months, does that appeal to me? You can also get that laminated one in a 12-month size. Um, so it's just a matter of what is going to work for your brain to help you to stay on track. Um, Again, with the, uh, the daily stuff, you know, counting out how many hours are you actually planning out. If you're like, well, I need to exercise, I need to do some fiction reading, some nonfiction reading on a marketing or writing topic, I need to do some writing, I need to do some marketing, um, I need to spend some time with my family, I need to do this and this and this. You know, if that comes out to more than 24 hours, then obviously we're a little stressed and feeling like we're behind in everything. Um, but if you can create a routine, um, I have like a, a first five daily routine where it just, um, I don't know, it almost feels like an anesthesia or something. Like I get up and, you know, once I wake up enough to actually get out of bed, because I, I have to say, I know you can't tell that I'm much of a talker, <laughs> but I have a tendency to talk to God first thing in the morning, blah, 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 blah. John's like, oh my God. Gosh, I feel sorry for him, but at least you're not talking to me all the time. So, <laughs> um, so I have a tendency to start my day like that. And then, but from the minute I actually get out of bed, I'm thinking 
I need to go exercise, take a shower, make the bed. Um, Cause I have a thing about um, my brain doesn't work as well. If everything around me is really messy. Now I can move all of the mess and, and piles of stuff off of my desk onto the floor behind me and get a lot done. I, fr- I kind of, freak out a little bit four hours later when I turn around and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's still there. But at least I can work on my clean desk. If all that stuff stays on my desk, I don't know why. My brain just doesn't like it. And so I noticed that my brain is much happier and much, it just, I don't know why. It's just this weird thing where my day smooths out. If I make my bed, make sure all the dishes are done or in the dishwasher or whatever, and see if there's a load of laundry that needs to be put in. So um, exercise, those three kind of cleaning-ish things, and reading my Bible and just sort of getting my focus on what I think the day needs to be about today. You know, maybe it'll be different from yesterday or tomorrow. Um, Whatever it is that you think is going to help you, if you can come up with any kind of, you know, daily first five or the first three things that you do before you start writing so that your brain realizes, oh, this is writing time or whatever. Um, Distractions. Um, Does anybody here listen to other podcasts like uh, the Creative Pen podcast with Joanna Penn? Yes. 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 I love her. I love her. (laughs) The other one I I highly recommend is Mark Dawson's self-publishing formula. James Blatch. Yes. 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 Oh, that's how you, that's, that's where you heard me, right? Yes, exactly. Uh Yeah. I love those. Those are my two favorites. And Joanna was saying a few months ago that she took Facebook off of her phone because it was too distracting and she was spending too much time messing around with Facebook. And then um, Jeff Walker, who's a big online marketing kind of teacher, he's very cool though. He's not one of those guys that... um, gives you the creeps. He makes you feel like, oh, marketing is a happy, soft, nice place. (laughs) Um, He was saying that he made a decision, and I wasn't sure if he was saying in conjunction with his wife, which would make sense, or if he just personally decided um, he needed to spend less time on his phone, you know, because we have everything on our phone to the point of our phone really is a mini computer. Um, and he was saying that he slash they made a decision, no phones in the bedroom ever. The phone was not allowed to be in the bedroom at any time of the day, not just at night and his bedroom's upstairs. So then he was like, you know what? I'm just not taking my phone upstairs. My phone's never going to be allowed to go upstairs. And he found that he was, um, falling asleep easier, sleeping better, um, felt less distracted. Um, and Joanna made it sound like she felt that a lot of that with taking uh, Facebook off her, fr- off her phone. So everybody has their own kinds of distractions. Um, productivity experts, you know, tell us don't be working on um, the phone all the time. Don't be working on it first thing in the morning. Sleep experts are telling us don't be working on the phone, you know, in the last hour of the night when you're trying to, you know, get your brain into sleep mode. I will say if you're going to do it anyway, (laughs) um, if you have an iPhone and I'm sure that the Android phones and Google phones have it too. I just don't know where it is because I have an iPhone. Um, Have your, have your, phone settings. Um, and Michelle, you can look at this on your phone right now. If you're on your, um, you're just lock screen and you scroll up, you know, with your thumb from the bottom, you know how it brings up the, uh, and anybody else, there's more than one iPhone user there, right? Okay, so I just wanted people to know that there is a, um, night, uh, what's it called? Night, night shift option where, um, your phone will turn from the cool blues to like a soft, orangey brown. Oh, 
Oh, I didn't know that. I have that on my desktop. And it kicks yes. Off. And then my screen is now this more of a, a soft um, uh, tan instead of the bright white, and that goes on at night. So, yeah, I've got that on my, and that's where I can look at my, on my desktop. Oh, neat. Yeah. So you can um, you can just turn it on uh, on and off manually, or you can set it like from you know 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. It'll just automatically if you pick up your phone, it's going to be in this night night sh uh, setting. Now anybody who has a Mac computer, I just noticed uh, about a few months ago that it's um, do the do not disturb thing and the night shift are also on your laptop and possibly your desktop. I haven't checked. Uh, checked my iMac for it but so if you were working at night or for some reason you were reading a manuscript or whatever on your computer but now it's getting close to bedtime like you could turn it to this nightshade no, sorry nightshade yes please poison yourself um it's not at all what I meant uh it is it is getting on tonight here though and I'm not like, trying to stay like as if it's noon in my brain um the um night shift um can help your it, it helps the melatonin levels and other things in your brain to start realizing that it's time to, to shut down. So you can continue doing something like maybe read yourself to sleep, which is what I do with my Kindle, um, but without having um, the kind of light that actually wakes you back up again. Okay. My PC, I actually set my, my, my waking hour. And uh -huh. Okay. <laughs> so I don't even come up with a little warning that tells you, you know, how, how soon you have to be up. Yeah, that's cool. That's crazy. That's, that is perfect for a night person, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, I, I'm just thinking I should tell my friend Stephanie that. <laughs> she, if in a perfect world, she would go to bed at three and wake up at 10 and that would be her because she works great at night. But unfortunately she has other things that have to be done in the morning. So, um, again, I apologize for going through this quickly. It's not stuff that you don't know, but sometimes, um, in the middle of the year, we just need to be reminded of the things that we know so that we can rethink things and ask ourselves, do I, do I need to make a change? Um, I tell people in my class in the, let's just say it starts in January. Sometimes it starts in February. So I tell them in January, we're going to make a plan and we're going to look at it again in 30 days and then we're going to tweak it because we're almost certainly going to find that, wow, I really thought I'd get more done than I could and look, one twelfth of the year is over and I haven't done one twelfth of the things on my uh, annual to-do list or my, my goals master list. Um, so we'll tweak it again at the end of 30 days. Then at the end of an additional 30 days, we'll see like now does it seem more on track? If so, you know, just look at it again, maybe in two months, but every now and then, and certainly at least quarterly, I think that if we're looking at our, um, our goals list for the year and asking ourselves, okay, am I on track? Do I need to make a change? Do I need to reprioritize? Uh, if this is still my priority, what is going to be the thing that I'm going to let go of for a bit so that I can focus on actually achieving my number one priority? And um, that's one of the things that I have on the handout too, is know your top three goals for the year so that you can be aware of intentionally choosing to spend your time on the things that are truly most important to you and not the things that seem important to you on Tuesday. You know what I mean? Um, and also, what is your most important thing to do today? Um, so those things will help you to um, 
to know when to make a change and, and how to restructure anything that needs to be restructured for the rest of the year, uh, which this is all the stuff that I'm going to be doing over the next couple of weeks to, uh, to refocus my writing life. Um, <clears throat> when you, depending on you, the way that you think of goals, um, the current deadlines that you, that you really do have um, and how your brain works, there's just a couple of different ways that you might be wanting to think about your project management. First of all, the stuff needs to be written down because the stuff that's in your head, A, it's keeping your brain working on things that it doesn't need to be working on. Like you could have more brain power if you just had this stuff written down and then you didn't need to think about it anymore. You could just think about it occasionally when you needed to look at the piece of paper as opposed to, I don't know how many of you do this, but I find myself too often going, okay, when I need to get home, when I get home, I need to do this, 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 and this. And I tried to make it into like some sort of, um, uh, some sort of little saying, like um, if I need to stop at the dry cleaner, pick up some milk, um, I don't know, uh, do something with my shoes, you know, I'll be like um, saying something about um, the dry cleaners don't actually clean milk out of shoes. You know, like I'll make it into some really weird little saying so I can remember it. But you know, if I just wrote it down on a piece of paper, I'd have a lot more brain power left for other decisions that I had to make. And now we're talking back about uh, decision fatigue again. Um, okay, let me just see. Yes. So then it's a matter of, do you want to plan forward or plan backward? So for instance, if you're thinking to yourself, my goal is to write a thousand words a day. I'm writing some of these examples in a way that the math is easy to do, by the way. <laughs> if your goal is to write 300 words a day and then I had to like divide it into something else, I'd be like, I, I don't know what that is right now. <laughs> so, so don't freak out that I wrote a hundred, a thousand words a day. Um, that might be too much for, for people. Um, okay. But if I said my goal is to write a thousand words a day and I'm only going to work six days a week because everybody needs to take at least one day off during the week, then it would take you 10 weeks to write a 60,000 word first draft. And so you could write that on your calendar that that was going to be your deadline. And then if you knew because of your um, past experience about how much time editing takes, you could figure that out and write that on your calendar. So first draft done in, in 10 weeks, uh, second draft, I wrote down, uh, does your, as an example, because I found that my editing tends to take around twice as long as my first draft. So my first draft is kind of fast, but then it takes me about twice as long to get to a final manuscript. So um, just in this example, you could write down that your first draft is due 10 weeks from now and your final, 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 final draft is due 30 weeks from now. Or if that's not the way that um, your calendar is going to work for you because you have other deadlines that you want to meet or your, your brain just works the way that, no, I want to choose a deadline and figure out what do I need to do in order to get that done, then you could say, okay, well, if I want to finish my book, my new book, I'm going to start a new book on Monday and I want it to be done by September 1st. September 1st from us, right? The second is actually closer to 14 weeks, but I just um, left in the divide by 12 again, just because the numbers come out easier. Um, if you, if you thought that there was a pretty good chance that that was not unreasonable, then you could just figure out how many words that you need to write. So if a 60,000 word book um, was going to 
Sorry. Let me just stop and think for one second here. Um, my brain is beginning to actually shut down slightly um, as it thinks that it should be going to bed. Um, so if I were to write a 60,000 word book and I know that it takes me twice as long to edit it as it does to um, write it, that's how I got to that 12 weeks. September 1st is 12 weeks from now. Um, the divided by three is because um, one amount of time to write plus two amounts of time to edit. Does that make sense to people? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So four weeks to write, eight weeks to edit because it would take me twice as long to edit it. Um, so then you just have to figure out how many words do I have to write uh, per week based on how far into the book am I right now? So like I said, if you're halfway done, you've got 30,000 words to go, then 30,000 words divided by four, because that's the number of weeks that you have to write before you get into editing, you'd have to write 7,500 words a week. So again, that's like 1,200 words a day for six days a week. Um, it's not impossible at all. But all of this is just to help you to figure out, um, would you prefer to plan forward and just say, this is how many words I'm going to write every day? Or would you prefer to plan backward and say, this is the day I want my book to come out? And therefore, you know, it, I have a tendency, sorry, to speak mostly like a self-publisher because that's what I do. Um, so if I want my book to come out on September 1st, then I'm thinking I need to have it to my editor, you know, probably by... August 1st so that she can do what she does because I know how long it takes her to do that. I know how long it always takes me to finish um, those edits and that sort of thing. So worst case scenario, I'll be into the first, um, oh, sorry, I was thinking in my mind um, October. But <clears throat> let me stop talking for one second. I apologize about um, getting tired and wonky here. Um, but does everybody kind of see where this is going and how it's going to have to be the way that you think and based on the kind of schedule that you want to keep? Yes. Also, I just want to remind you that um, you probably are tired because you have been talking for an hour. I'm sorry. Right. Yes. I, you know, it was, um, it was before nine when I looked at, okay, we are almost done. So let's just hurry through. Um, so I want, what I want you to do, uh, if this is helpful to you, I want you to take all those things that you wrote down Go back home, look at wh whichever calendar that you are using or want to use or whatever this year. Um, see how much of what you've written down is on your calendar. Uh, a lot of times I think of things later and go, oh my gosh, how did I ever forget that? A lot of times I forget something because it's part of my normal schedule. Like um, at one point for an entire year, I, uh, I mean, like I had planned out an entire year in January. And then in February, I was like, how did I forget? I have a writer's meeting every single month, but I hadn't put it on the calendar. Um, and so I, it had looked like I had more, you know, quote, writing time available than I did because at least one day a, a month I wasn't. I'm going to be writing. I was going to be at my writer's meeting. Um, so go see whether or not um, there's anything that you've missed. Um, is there anything that you need to adjust now? Um, things that you hadn't really thought about, like, oh, yeah, that family reunion or the, the baby shower is going to come up sometime in the next three months for so-and-so or, you know, whatever it is. Keeping in mind that the closer that you are to the person who's getting married, having a baby or whatever, having a 50th birthday party or whatever it is, um, probably the more actual time it's going to come out of your schedule because you'll be helping. So keep those things in mind. And then try to break down some of the 
some of the big massive things into smaller pieces so that A, they're less overwhelming and B, you have a much better handle on um, what needs to be done in and how long it'll take you. So for instance, it's easy for me to say, yeah, I'm sure that I can you know, write a book and have it published by September 1st. But when I break it down to all the steps and I have to ask myself, okay, when do I need to contact my cover artist and how long will that take? Um, is my editor going to be available at this period of time? And is this still how long you know, she wants to, um, to take in order to get it back to me and that sort of thing. Breaking things down into smaller pieces really can help us to know um, that we can stay on schedule. Um, I really like the use of sticky notes because I hate crossing things out on a calendar and then it's forever this crossed out thing, this little mess on my calendar. And it makes me feel like, oh, that was something that I didn't accomplish. I failed at. Sticky notes, you just take it off and you put it on the, the other day. <laughs> Um, and they're colorful and it works for my brain to be able to look at it and go, okay, it looks like I'm not out of town at all this month. Yay. Um, but I have, you know, all these blog posts or something that I have to do or this marketing or, oh, look, there's like nothing on here except for writing. Cause this was the month that I said, I'm writing an entire, you know, draft of a book in one month and I'm not going to do these other things. I'm going to get a whole bunch done, you know, before the month before and the month after that sort of thing. Um, and just keep in mind that if you know what your biggest distractions are, you can have a plan to, um, to get away from them. So Joanna Penn must have at some point decided Facebook was great, but also too much of a distraction to have on her phone. You know, um, Jeff Walker, you know, deciding something on his phone. Uh, other people, you know, they use like the, the Freedom app to turn off the internet connection during the time that they're writing. Or other people use um, Write or Die. So, you know, just knowing what you can do that will work for you. Write or Die wouldn't work for me. That would make me want to like throw my computer out the window. Um, but knowing what you can do that will work in your brain so that you can stay on track, that will be, you know, uh, the... It's tricky because it makes me sound like I'm being vague, but it's because you really need to decide what works for you. And then just keep in mind opportunity cost. Um, money is what we often think about when it comes to opportunity cost. You know, if I buy these $100 shoes, then I don't have $100 to um, go out to dinner or to spend on books or whatever. Um, but it's also about time. If I stay here and write and send my family to the beach, um, am I missing out or are they having fun and I'm okay with it and I'm getting something done? Like which one is the cost? Because you can't go to the beach and be at your computer writing. Does that make sense? I mean, of course it makes sense, but how often do we think about it? It's something that I like to think about a lot, opportunity cost. Um, I, I know that a lot of people are kind of anti-TV and um, try not to spend tons of hours in front of the TV. My way of looking at TV is this is the time that I spend with my husband and we enjoy like breaking down the stories and sometimes pausing it and go, oh my gosh, do you think he did it or she did it or neither one of them and there's a red herring in here somewhere? That's fun for us. Um, going to movies and stuff is fun for us. Um, but then there are other times when I'm like, okay, one hour of TV, that's it. And then I have to go to work and we're both fine with it. So just keeping in mind what's really, really the most important. And the reason I say it is because sometimes we don't realize that we made bad mistakes until 
something bigger happens um, and a relationship seems to be imploding and, and I want to help because I'm a romance writer. I want to help relationships to not implode. <laughs> okay, that is it. Yeah, that is my presentation. <laughs>